Uh, it's really good to be up here today. My name is Ken. I, as I said earlier, I get to uh, hang out with your students quite a bit, and it is an absolute privilege. For those of you that have uh, kids that are in youth ministry, they are awesome. They are awesome. You're doing a phenomenal job. I just, I love getting to be back here with those guys, and I love getting to be here with you guys this morning. And we're going to continue in the series called Collision. We've been looking at Luke chapter 4 for the last, I think, five weeks, five or six weeks. And uh, I'm going to pick up just a little bit further down the line, and we're going to talk about something really exciting. Uh, we're going to talk about demons. So um, if you're in here today and you have a demon, just know, like, I'm going to confront you in a minute. Uh, but before I do that, let me pray. Lord Jesus, thanks for this day. Thanks for your presence during worship, Holy Spirit. Lord, would you take this time, would you speak? Holy Spirit, would you draw closer to our hearts and minds and open us up to that which the Father would have us hear? Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So if you remember earlier in Luke chapter 4, Jesus had left the desert and gone into Nazareth, and he went into the synagogue, and he asked for the scroll of Isaiah, and he sits down and he reads it. I'm sorry, stands up, reads it, then he sits down. And he says something really interesting. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And Kurt covered last week how that's a proclamation of why Jesus is there. He's letting people know this is what's about to happen. The moment you've been waiting for. As I was sharing with the students last week and another week when we looked at this scripture. You know that feeling, that that feeling you get in your stomach when you're a little kid and it's Christmas morning. In this moment, all of creation is getting that feeling. They've been waiting. There's been an anticipation. And so as we walk through Lent, that's what we're doing. We're building an anticipation to the celebration that we have next week, the resurrection, and all of God's promises fulfilled in Jesus and so when we look at this, uh, this section of Luke chapter 4, what I want to remind you is there, there, is, there are forces of evil that are still trying to get that feeling out of our stomach. It's kind of like, uh, anybody a Grinch fan? Right? The Grinch, yeah. So he goes in, and what does he want? He's so tired of the singing and all of the joy. He's like, I'm going to steal Christmas. That's what the enemy wants to do about Easter. He wants to steal that feeling deep in our stomach where we go, yes, Jesus did it. He kept his promises. And so for all of creation, uh, for all of time since Jesus' resurrection, that's what the enemy has been up to. So when we pick up in verse 31, that's what we're looking at. Jesus, it says, then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. I want to pause there for just a second to remind us all of something. That in the presence of evil, God's word has authority. Amen? When we feel beat down, when we feel overrun, God's word has authority and we can go to it to gain relief. It's the reason that Jesus answered Satan the way that he did in the desert. He didn't, he didn't come up with anything new. He quoted scripture to the devil. Because when you quote scripture to the devil, he has to fall under that authority. 
He doesn't have a choice. And because you are the image bearers of God, there are two things that I want you to remember. One, Satan hates your guts. He hates your guts. He really does. Like if there's any question at all. And if he can't destroy you, he's bent on subduing you. He's bent on getting you to shut your mouth. He's bent on getting you to not do good things. He's bent on getting you to complain. And he keeps trying, and he keeps trying, and he keeps trying, and he doesn't relent. And I'm so sorry. I wish I had like a magic thing to like say these nine words and Satan will leave you alone. And you know what? I could give them to you and you go out and your car wouldn't start. <laughs> or you'd have a flat. He's just going to keep trying. And that's why we have to keep returning to the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the only thing we have, really. So moving along, in, in Luke, in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice. I still can't say this without giggling a little bit. Go away! <laughs> I kind of feel like the demon maybe had the maturity level of a toddler. Go away, Jesus. <laughs> That's his answer. Go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. What a collision. We've been talking about collisions, and here you have it. Okay, It's almost like a spiritual WWE match. Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up in the synagogue. There's somebody there that is possessed by an evil spirit. The evil spirit recognizes Jesus because of who he is, the Son of God, and says, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Are you going to destroy me? Now, the reason he says that is because he knows it's not the time for that to happen yet. So he's taunting Jesus a little bit. And, of course, the immature, go away. We've got the run of things right now. What are you doing here? And Jesus says, get out. Be quiet and get out. I had to laugh a little bit too that it says that he, he um, came out of him without, in, without harming him. I think in the face of Jesus, the demon was like, I better just leave with like quietly without a lot of mess. <laughs> I'm just going to go because this is the one this is the one that can actually do something about me. Close your eyes for just a moment, if you will. Imagine what it would have been like to be in church that Sabbath. What do you think, what do you think some of your feelings would be? Would you be shocked? Go ahead. What are some of the things you think? Close your eyes, you imagine, demon gets thrown out of a dude, sets the dude down nicely, leaves the room. What would you be thinking in that moment? What did I just see? That's what I'd be thinking. <laughs> what did I just, what in the, there might be another word, what in the world just happened? <laughs> As my friend says, what in tarnation? What else, what else? Yeah, that it's real, right? That it's real. You'd have this sudden first-hand account that this is real. Evil is real. I think they had a better understanding of it back then. 
Anything else? Go, Jesus. <laughs> yep. Okay. If you didn't know who Jesus was yet, right? Yeah. I think, I think that's real. There's a couple of things I want to point out. Because um, there's so much packed in, you could actually do like three or four sermons just out of that. You know, when Jesus, and I, I appreciate you doing that. Did you read my notes? Because you were sitting. <laughs> when Jesus shows up on the scene, a lot, of, a lot of Jewish people say, who is this? They don't recognize him. I mean, the demons sure do. They know exactly who he is. But they asked the question, who is this? And they were amazed because his words had authority. They were amazed by Jesus' presence. You know, in the world today, in all that we face, I think sometimes we still don't recognize what Jesus is up to. We don't see what he's doing. See, our hearts and our minds, are, they get focused on fear. They get focused on what's wrong. And that's okay. That's a natural reaction to the world around us that is obviously very broken. And yet right in the midst of the brokenness, right in the midst of the pain and the fear, Jesus is at work. He's never stopped working, you guys. He's not worried about the things that are going on except that he wants to change them. He's never quit doing that. I think sometimes we think like we look at the Bible and we read and we read these stories and we think, oh, well, that was then. No, he's doing it right now. He's doing it right now. He's doing it in us. He's doing it through us. <clears throat> you know what's interesting about demons? Um, have you ever heard the phrase hurt people hurt people? Demons are fearful of God's power. Because they know what's coming. Fearful demons use fear as a tactic. How many, let me just, quick raise of hands. Who feels like fearful when they think about the world around them? Or who's experienced fear at some point during this week? Or maybe you're experiencing it right now. Yeah, I have. Let's just stop and pray really quick. Is that okay? Lord, thank you that we don't have to fear. And even as I say those words, I know that my heart has a hard time receiving it. But Jesus, in your presence, in your power, in your activities, we do not have to fear. And where the demons have convinced us that we do need to, we command them to go to the feet of Jesus to be dealt with. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The second thing is this to come out of this section of the story. Satan and his homies, they have some dominion during this age. And I won't get into a lengthy explanation. Uh, there's a great book that I've been reading, The Kingdom of God by George Eldon Ladd. It's so good. It's, I think, the second or third time I've read it, and it's always so fresh. They do have some power. But that power is subject to the authority of God every single time. Every single time. It has to be. That's why when, the, when Jesus shows up, he's like, go away, because he knows what's about to happen. 
And guess what? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, which is part of the triune God. So they have to be subject to that authority. That's why James writes, resist the devil and he will flee. In 1 John, he writes, perfect love casts out fear. I always took that as like a, a, a um, um, the words escaped me, figurative. Perfect love casts out fear. It sounds really nice when I do weddings or talking to youth. Perfect love casts out fear. No, it means perfect love says, hey, you got to go. You're gone. You're out. Eh. See ya. When we are engaged with Jesus, when we are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. Now, I'm not saying Satan's going to quit. In fact, I promise you this much from personal experience. You start talking a whole lot about Jesus, and he puts a, he puts a bullseye on your back. And he's like, man, I'm going to get that Kurt Attaway to shut up. I'm going to get that Ken Hanning to quit telling teenagers about Jesus and how much he loves them. I'm going to get all of these folks that have been praying for the world to change to stop because they believe it won't happen. Oh, he's going to come after you. But we have to remember that through the Holy Spirit, the power that the devil has is subject to God's authority. And God's authority is expressed through faith in Jesus Christ, God's Word through the Bible, and the Holy Spirit. You guys, you get it? Because I don't get it sometimes. I'm like, I want to go hide in the closet. It's true. Getting real. There's this collision in the story of the goodness of God's kingdom and the evil of the world then. And there's a collision happening right now in our midst between the goodness and the truth of who God is and the evil of this world. And it is not a picnic. It's a battlefield. And all you have to do is turn on the news to see it. We live in an age that's marked by hatred and anger and fear. And I don't know about you guys, but I think the only answer really is Jesus. We've tried legislation. We've tried social programs. They're good, and good people lead them, but that is not going to do it. If we want this collision to go a different direction, we need to cry out for Jesus more. I believe it with all of my heart. It's the only thing I've seen that has actually made a difference. When we planted um, the church in Galveston, Galveston's such a great place, and Galvestonians are so good that when you guys go down there to visit, you only get to see the good part. We, the roads are actually directed to kind of get you to the touristy places so you spend your money. So we have nicer parks and sidewalks and public services. <laughs> and we lived there for 14 years. And the more, the more that we lived there, the darker we saw it. Not because it's a particular location, but there's just this darkness that exists there. And, and as God called us further and further into that to do battle, we saw more and more of it. And I'll tell you, firsthand experience, the only thing that ever changed it was the name of Jesus. Period. So when you feel fear, when you feel anger, when you're worried about how the world is going, let me just encourage you, read the word of God and cry out to Jesus. And then do what he tells you. We're going to talk more about that in a second. 
It says that after that, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So, sorry, I lost my spot. I was looking at the screen. Jesus rebuked the fever, and it left her. Yep, there it is. Reading glasses. This is what 50 looks like. <laughs> so she got up and went at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the, now, ladies, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever been sick for several days, and then your husband's like, yeah, you're better, make me a sandwich. <laughs> I think it speaks to who Jesus is in Simon's mother, in, in the presence of her life that uh, she gets up and, and um, takes care of them. It says, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many. Demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God. Again, go away. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. What's happening here, in the, first, in the first section, what we're looking at is the collision between the goodness of God's kingdom and the evil of Satan's kingdom. What we're seeing here is a little bit more of an illustration of the goodness of God's kingdom and the brokenness of our world. We live in a fallen world. It's not fallen because Satan is at work, but I mean, he is at work, but that's not the only thing. Some people, it, it may have nothing to do with Satan that your car doesn't start when it's be a lot of, we need to get the battery thing. I keep talking about it. <laughs> um, that may have nothing to do with Satan. Economies change. We lose jobs. People die unexpectedly. It may not have anything to do with Satan. That's because we live in a fallen world. So in this story, Jesus is confronting the fallenness of the world and changing it. And that's really important because... <clears throat> Jesus is not okay with the bondage that we live in because the world has fallen. Because we chose evil over God's will. He's not okay with it. And he wants to restore it. And when creation that is broken comes into contact with Jesus, it gets fixed. It has to. Why? Because it's subject to his authority. In the word, in the beginning, there was the word. He was there when it was made. So when he encounters brokenness in creation, it has to fix. When he encounters sickness, it has to be changed. I want to tell a quick story. Um, my, my bride deals, especially over the last couple of years, deals with a lot of chronic joint pain, like elbows, fingers, knees, things like that. And so she's, she's so brave and so strong and just, just deals with it, just walks through life with it. Recently, a group of her friends gathered together on a Saturday morning. I was barbecuing. They gathered together on a Saturday morning, and they laid hands on her, and they prayed for her. And when she was leaving, she called me. We, we operate on one vehicle right now. So when she was leaving, she called me and she said, do you need anything? I said, well, if you could bring the truck back, I need to go pick up more wood for the barbecue pit. It takes a lot of wood to 
cook brisket. She said, oh, I got it. I was like, uh, sorry? These are pretty big bags of like, you know, half a quart or, or, or whatever, however many cubic feet of wood, and they weigh a good amount. She goes, yeah, I got it. I said, babe, I can't ask you to do that. Just bring me the truck and I'll go get it. Just like, click. <laughs> I said, man, what's going on? She shows, up, she shows up at the house. She'd stopped off at the store. She shows up at the house with four of these bags of pecan and hickory wood. And she reaches over into the bed of my truck and she says, she just grabs them. Swings them up and walks up. She's like, is this enough? I got two more. She's all swaggering. <laughs> I was like, uh, no, that's funny. Are you okay? She goes, they prayed for me and it doesn't hurt anymore. They prayed for me and it doesn't hurt anymore. The brokenness of creation has to be subject to the authority of Jesus because he made it. Let me tell you something. If you're hurting, it doesn't have anything to do with the enemy. You're just hurting. Life is hurting. You're physically hurting. In a little bit, we're going we're gonna to pray for you, okay? Because I think God wants to do that. I've seen him. He'll do it, and it's never once off. He wants to do it over and over and over and over again because he wants to remind us that he loves us, and he loves us, and he loves us, and he wants us to be free. I'm going to wrap up. It says at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. Who wouldn't? <laughs> Who wouldn't? But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus had a calling, and he understood it. He, gra he grasped it. He knew. As we, as we look at celebrating Palm Sunday, we're actually celebrating the beginning of the culmination of his earthly ministry, which lasted around three years. And I had this sense that because he knew what was eventually going to happen, I mean, he, he probably would have loved to continue healing and loving on those people in Capernaum. He's like, I got work to do. Bound by human time, he knew he had to keep moving and keep going because he wanted to do as much good as he could while he was there. That's really important. Because when you look at Palm Sunday and you read the account in Matthew, the people came and they put palms down on the ground and they said, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. What they're actually quoting is Zechariah, who wrote it about five or six hundred years before that. Zechariah prophesies, see your king coming to you on a donkey. And people will cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna. And what's interesting is, right after Zechariah writes that, a little bit further down, he writes this. He will, he will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Here's the question. Here's the challenge. 
Zechariah said that that was going to happen. He also said that Jesus was going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, just as it happened, exactly. We know that prophetically that scripture that Zechariah wrote was before Jesus was ever even on the scene, okay? So how is it going to be proclaimed to the ends of the earth? How does Jesus intend to do that? You can answer. <laughs> yes, all of you. You got a job. All right, we're done. Out the doors. There's donuts for energy. Yeah, he plans to do it through us. See, this is really important. So if I go back to the beginning, what is Satan's plan? To destroy us, to stop us, to keep us bound to keep us subdued, to keep us sick, to keep us fighting each other. A house divided falls, right? Look at our nation. Look at the world. He wants us divided. He wants us angry at our neighbor. And Jesus says, love your neighbor. If, anybody, if, if I'm wrong, speak up. Y'all can, you, you, you haven't been in youth. I'm used to like, this is a conversation. <laughs> I just get to wear the microphone and you don't. That's the only difference. He wants to use us. That's the plan. That's the reason Zechariah writes. And then it will go out from the river to the very ends of the earth because Jesus is up to something. It has not stopped. We need to quit living like it has. I'm speaking to myself. We have to stop living like this doesn't happen anymore. We have to stop living like God doesn't heal. We have to stop living like we're more concerned with the fear of what might happen to us than the glory of what God might do through us. The reason I prayed for fear in the middle of it is I really felt like God said, hey, Ken, they're going to receive this. Not because you're clever, not because you have on the nice blue shirt but because they need to hear it, I want to use them. We have been living too small. We have the Word of God. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the authority of Jesus' mission on this earth. There is nothing that can stop us. Nothing. And I know it doesn't seem that way. We lose people. We deal with sickness. We have injury. We need reading glasses. But the more that I dig into the word, the more I'm convinced. And anything that comes against us in terms of what we're doing for God, anything that comes against that is from the devil. And he just wants to shut you up. He doesn't want all those cards. He doesn't, he doesn't want you bringing a single person here next week. He doesn't want you praying for your neighbor. He doesn't want you praying at work or praying at school or praying with your family. He wants you to shut up and quit talking about that Jesus stuff. Why? Because he is terrified. That's why he says, go away. He knows what's coming. And as we get closer to the victory of God, the, the fight gets more fierce. And it's going to keep getting more fierce because he hates us. Jesus loves us, and he calls us to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's a pretty simple mission. 
So let's pray. Um, one thing that I felt like this morning, um, just as I was, I, <laughs> I drive the slide people crazy because I don't finish the sermon until Friday and then I rewrite it on Sunday morning. Um, God bless them. Y'all pray for them. One thing that I felt really convinced of this morning that I wanted to pray for was um, this sense of tiredness. And not tiredness like you binged your favorite show last night, but like a continual daily tiredness. Does anybody in here deal with that? Just sort of a, a physical, but also emotional exhaustion. Will you stand really quickly? You don't have to come down front, but prayer partners, would you guys gather around them and just find somebody? And, and now if everybody stands, we got nobody to pray. <laughs> I'll pray. <laughs> yeah, gather around them and let's just pray for those, these folks really quick. Because I think one of the other tactics of the enemy is he just wears us out physically where we feel like we just don't have anything left to give. And I think God wants to change that for some of us. So just begin praying, Lord Jesus. Renew us. Holy Spirit, come and fill us again with the physical and the emotional energy that we need to do what you have called us to do. Lord, I think about when we're little children and we get so exhausted and we just fall asleep wherever we are and we rely on our parents to carry us to the place that we need to be so we can rest. Holy Spirit, would you come now to these children, these sons and daughters of yours, and would you carry them for a little while and give them peace and give them a renewal that only comes from you, a renewal that can't come from anywhere else. And Lord, I, I just also um, had this sense that as you're renewing us, you're renewing a vision within us. And so would you give that to them as well? In the name of Jesus, we ask. Just giving it a moment so everybody can get prayed for. You know, in our rush, sometimes we just don't, we don't take time to do this sort of thing. We don't take time to just lift our brothers and sisters up and pray for them. So it's good to take a few minutes. And as they're finishing up, if you're here this morning, um, you know, all of this sounds kind of crazy. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> Just <laughs> you're listening to it and you're going, Jesus, demons, miraculous healing. Ah. Yeah, it is crazy, but it's real. Doesn't mean it's any less real. In fact, it's more real than the crazy stuff that we <laughs> that we see on screens. If you're here and, and you're you're not sure what you what to make of this, let me just invite you. And and what's great about the invitation of Jesus is it's never done. It's an invitation to a journey. It's a friendship, really, is what it is. Where you say, hey, Jesus, I, I want to know more about who you are. I know there's things that are separating me from God, 
but I want to know more about who you are, and I want you to be in control. I want to walk this journey with you. If that's you, it's really simple to, to start that relationship. Lord, I'm sorry that I've lived a life for other things. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross, for your victory over the enemy. Please come in and take me along on your journey. So you can pray that in just a minute. I'm going to pray to dismiss us. And um, if you want prayer for any other thing, there will be prayer partners up here. And um, I know, like, just the story of Jody has inspired me more to, to pray more recently for people that are sick or people that are injured. And, and it's just God does it sometimes. Sometimes, you know, and we get these stories and, and they build our faith. So if you want, if your faith feels like, man, I need God to change this or I want God to heal that. Come on down and let, and let people pray for you. Otherwise, when I'm done, I'll dismiss you. I can't wait to see you all next week. And uh, thanks for joining us this morning. So please stand really quick. Lord Jesus, thanks for today. Thank you for these folks. Thank you that you have won. Where the enemy is trying to convince us otherwise. Go away. Holy Spirit, would you guide us as we walk out the doors, direct us, overcome our fears, our doubts, our inadequacies, the places where we disqualify ourselves, and say, yeah, well, maybe other people can do that, but I can't. That's just a lie. Holy Spirit, set us free to love our neighbors. Set us free to change the world around us. Lord, would you bless these, your people, with your love, with your grace, with your mercy. And as we go through this week, remind us that, yes, it ends with the, it, it culminates in the cross, but it ends with the resurrection. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.